right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, almost football time in Tennessee time. Still preseason camp though time. And that's good because the Vols have work to do time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you here from Fort Rucker. Good news, guys. Studio uh, is is constructed. Just hasn't been all the accoutrements have not been put in there yet. So we are we are literally like this probably is very much the last podcast. Probably the first time in this that room in Go Vols twenty four seven podcast history that, that word has been used. It's a good word. It is. I like good words. I like good words. Better than bad words. And I've been saying a lot of bad words this week, but I'll be telling you more about that later. We will get right to the football first, guys, uh, Tennessee has had a preseason camp scrimmage now. We're going to discuss that here in just a little bit. But first, we do have some some injury news to get to. We're also going to get to your questions later on here at the end. But as always, we're going to try to get that tradition back going again. Uh, one quick note before we get going. I will say that the, we're going to start doing these on our Football Friday podcast. Is now going to be a Football Thursday podcast because with the season coming up, we want to give you guys more time to listen to them before Basically, games on Saturday. Yeah. So here's the new, uh, I'll call it the uh, the planned schedule. We're going to be dropping these every Thursday morning and every Monday morning. So every Monday and Thursday morning uh, will be the regular podcast. And then we will also have uh, any breaking news that occurs throughout the week. We'll have the short little breaking news podcasts there. I think that's a good time to do recap from the previous game while it's still a little bit fresh at least during the season that would be the yeah. schedule right then yeah. move on yeah and i think that 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 makes a lot of sense i think um whoever suggested that i forget who it was but i said that's that's a really good idea we're gonna we're gonna go back to doing it that way fellas uh, as promised we got a bunch of stuff to get to but first we're gonna get to uh some not great news for tennessee uh maybe maybe not terrible news because i, I think it depends on which lens you're viewing this through but uh, senior cornerback Balaam Buchanan, who has been out, was out pretty much all spring, uh, was out uh, for a lot of summer workouts, uh, was out for all of preseason camp to this point. Uh, we had heard that there was something going on there that was sort of unusual, and now we know for sure that it is a narrowing of the spinal column somewhere. And so that sounds scary. It probably is scary. Uh, he's been going around to the country to look at, have different experts look at it. Uh, good news is he does have a redshirt season available if he can't play this season. Uh, good news, they found this before anything super serious happened. But bad news is that he may not be the world's best corner, but he's a corner and he's an experienced corner. And Tennessee's got a couple of really good players there, guys, but the depth, you just you, not a guy, not a guy you want to lose. Yeah, and this is a guy that started 12 games last year, so he's, you know, one of the experienced guys, one of the few seniors on this team. There's not a this isn't a big senior class and he's one of those guys, but um, yeah, you know, we saw him in the spring and he was, he was out there, he was going through drills, but he was in uniform and, and not wearing a helmet. So that kind of suggested it was some sort of head and neck situation. Uh, like I said, like you said, Wes, we had heard kind of all off season. He was kind of up in the air for preseason practice. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt said before they started their first practice and came out and said, we'll evaluate in a few weeks. And then, uh, I guess, uh, what was it? Tuesday, he kind of just came out and kind of opened the lid on everything and explained everything what was going on. So uh, I'm not a doctor. He's not a doctor. I don't know what the, if there's a condition that that is um, that the Buchanan is dealing with, but it certainly sounds like uh, one that could um, obviously prohibit him from playing football 
anytime soon and possibly again. So uh, it's a tough situation for him, but uh, I think obviously Pruitt saying that he's got a richer ear suggests that Buchanan is still thinking about playing and still wants to play, and uh, they'll just have to kind of see where it goes. But for the foreseeable future, they're going to hold him out of practices until they kind of get a better idea of what exactly happened and how it happened and, and what what's next. And I think it's important here to remember that, as I said earlier, it depends on which lens you're viewing this through. Uh, for Tennessee's football team, it's not great news. But for Baylor Buchanan, I actually do think that it's actually pretty decent news because they found this before anything really, really bad happened. And anytime you start talking about football and spines, uh, that that gives me the creeps a little bit because you just that's such a physical game. Uh, these guys are bigger and stronger than they've ever been. They're running into each other at full speed. We all know. Uh, the whole CTE and, and brain stuff. We all know about that now. Uh, but let's not forget that before that was a thing, people were still, even before they were really, really, really concerned about long-term concussions, they were concerned about things like spinal column. And we've seen this happen with a couple of Tennessee players before. It's not an unusual football thing. It does happen. But they found this before anything really bad happened. And I think that's that's the most important news here. And it, it's, I don't want to sound trite when I say that, but uh, Baylor Buchanan's a kid who's a pretty sharp kid. Uh, he's going to have a pretty good career doing whatever it is he wants to do after he's done playing football. And, and I think he is someone who uh, is, should be grateful right now that they found this because that's that the alternative could have been bad. Definitely. And, and, you know, it's good that we have a better feel for that situation because there was obviously a lot of uncertainty before, you know, trying to assess what was going to happen at that star position. He was always the big wild card. So now, you know, we don't know how long it'll be, but obviously it certainly sounds like he's not going to be available to start the season, and, and we'll see how long beyond that there without him. But this is um, it's a better situation than it would have been a year ago. You know, if they were if they were oh, shorter, yes. a cornerback like this last year would have been a disaster. This year, I think they're at least better equipped when you throw in guys like Warren Burrell and uh, some of the other, you know, second-year and first-year guys. You know, even a guy like Kenneth George, you know, Sean Schamberg, you've got other options there that can play and, and enough athletes back there to get by. So it's better. But as you said, it's never ideal to lose a veteran like this and to, to, to be without a guy that's played a lot of football for you. So it's, even though Tennessee's secondary is probably in a better position to absorb this than say the defensive line, uh, you know, taking another loss, if they had to deal with another injury on top of him at Gooden, you know, that would be a blow there in the secondary. You can, you, you're, you're better equipped to deal with it, but it's still, not a great situation, and, and you hate to see it, and you hope for Bailey Buchanan's sake, obviously, that, uh, that that things get figured out and he's able to return to the field, but obviously it's a good thing that they were able to avoid, to avoid like you said, some sort of more serious situation uh, emerging as a result of it. And, and here here is, now that we've discussed the super important part of this, the most important part, which is basically the, the health of Bailey Buchanan long term, let's talk about what this means for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's got a couple of good corners that we know about. Uh, these are guys who I think most people assumed would be starters. Maybe, maybe not at this point. We'll talk about that here in a second. But Tennessee does have some pieces here. You just rolled off the, the five names right now that Tennessee, four or five names Tennessee has a corner right now. And, and I think there is a drop-off behind the top two or three guys. But you're going to see that every program in the country, save for maybe Alabama you know, you're, you're, or Clemson these days. You're, you're going to have some drop-off there. That's just the way it goes. But I think Tennessee is – okay to absorb this right now i don't think this is anywhere near as bad as the good thing was but I, I do think it's worth noting that uh it is a significant thing for tennessee because 
we'll be honest, Warren Burrell's had a really good preseason camp. He had a really good spring. This is a freshman who might, I mean, he might be threatening Alante Taylor for a starting position at the one of the wide corner spots right now. Uh, and I think he's probably going to be out there for the nickel at the very least. So they do have some options there, but it, it's, it, it's again, it's not a great situation, this, this loss. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the things we've talked about and something I wrote earlier in the uh, earlier this month is how important it is they find somebody at that star position. Uh, you've, Wes, you're a you're a Buchanan defender. You've said he's solid, um, reliable player, and and but I think if you're Tennessee, you 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 look at his absence potentially as a chance to upgrade. But you got to find the right guy to play that spot, and I don't know if there's a clear option there. Uh, lately, it's been Sean Schamberger that's been getting uh, a lot of the first team work. He got a lot of the first team work there on Sunday during the scrimmage. Uh, he's kind of been a hot and cold guy. <laughs> Since Jeremy Pruitt and the staff came over, he's got a lot of talent, but uh, he was in the doghouse. Didn't even make the trip to the Georgia game last year. Wasn't even on the travel roster, and then uh, he started their next two games. So that tells you kind of how up and down he was a little bit last season. So if he can find some consistency, uh, maybe he can make that position his. And uh, you know, I haven't. Well, they're going to get their five, six best guys on the field in the secondary. Uh, and so if Schemberger proves to be one of those guys, he'll have earned it with you know, with some of the guys they've got there. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you'd like you know. Buchanan was a versatile, dependable guy. You knew what you were getting from him every day, uh, and now you're going to be playing somebody there that uh, that's new to the position, and and you got to figure out who that who that is. And I think they're still kind of looking for that. Yeah, yeah, because if they're sitting there, let's imagine they're sitting there in Gainesville here in a, in about a month or so, give or take. And you know, Buchanan's not a guy who who starts, but let's say one of those young guys goes out there and, and the swamp gets to him. He gives up a big play. He's all over the place psychologically. Knowing that you can go to two eight there on the sideline and be like, "Hey, go in there, go in there for a f- go, go in there and give him a give him a spell," he might go in there and help settle the defense down. He's a guy who, even if he doesn't start, you want to have on your team. So that that's where this becomes a loss for Tennessee. But the good news there is that Warren Burrell, I don't think this is a fluke anymore. When you've had a good spring, a good summer, and now a good preseason camp, you're probably a pretty good player. And uh, unless he just completely cowers with the lights on as a true freshman, which some people do, if he doesn't do that, it sounds like this is someone that they think can help them right now. So, And he's going to have to. I think the good only good part of the situation, again, it's they have honestly a handful of scenarios for how they could – sort this out you know at, at, at the star position if that's if that's where Buchanan was going to play and it looked like that was going to be his main role on this team uh you know now again the emergence of Warren Burrell gives you options you could slide Bryce Thompson into the star position you know may, maybe Burrell could even play there too Alante Taylor theoretically could could play there don't don't know of any reason he couldn't um, but then beyond that you've still got you know we, we we know they've at least worked in some situations Nigel Warriors played the star position you've got enough safety help behind the the projected starters there uh, you know a guy like Jalen McCullough could slide into safety and, and allow you to move warrior there McCullough has even moved to the star position I, yeah. I think it is capable of playing there maybe we'll we'll see if that continues to be explored he's but definitely he, like mentally capable yeah. of handling it and so that's at least an option maybe and then of, of course again the number one option lately at start sounds like has been Schamberger so when you look at all those options that's a that's a much better looking situation than it would have been again if they had dealt with something like this last year so they've at least improve the depth there enough that I think they'll be okay but yeah it's a senior it's a guy who played a lot of football and that that's a that's a position that can get picked on a lot so even though he gave up some some plays last year uh, I think a lot of that just is kind of the nature of the position slot guys get thrown to a lot and um, in the modern game and it's that's why it's important to have somebody reliable out there and this is a little bit of a blow for Tennessee in that regard quick counterpoint on that uh, I will say that it seems like now that we know what's going on with Buchanan 
I would venture a guess that, or I would hazard a guess that Tennessee staff has known about this for a while and knew yeah. this was possible. So that makes me wonder if Burrell's getting so many reps with the ones because they need to see who can do it or if he can do it. I'm not saying he hasn't earned it because I think everyone's universally praised him kind of for his performance and practice and, and, and workouts and all that stuff. And you can tell – I was looking at pictures from spring to now and he's blown up physically. He's, he's a lot bigger than he was then. But I just wonder if because now that we know this, if if that he was put out there a little bit because they wanted to see what he could do because they knew this was going to be a possibility. Fair question. Th- that's, the only, that's the only question I have about and, this. And I'll say that m- maybe that also played into the decision to move Jared Means to cornerback too. You know, that now, Knowing that you might be without a guy like Buchanan, that you can see even more, I think, the, the need for just another body there if Means can, you know, could contribute this year. Now, we haven't heard much about him you know, making a serious move for playing time, but certainly when you were weighing that decision whether to put him at receiver or corner this year, I think the certainly the, the uncertainty with Balaam Buchanan could have led you to say, yeah, let's let's try Jared Means at corner this year and see what he can do. One more injured note to get to before we step away for break for a second. We do need to mention this too. Jordan Allen, who uh, was was such a touted prospect as a, as a guy who he just excited people because of his film coming out of JUCO last season. He was a guy who didn't maybe make the impact. I could definitely say, let's not be kind about this. He definitely did not make the impact that a lot of people thought he would be able to make last season. Uh, but he was a guy who. Tennessee needs pass rushers. He's a guy who does have some quickness around the edge. He's a guy who has gotten a little bigger physically, a guy who you thought would be in the mix to maybe get in there and get some reps. Uh, It looks like he's going to be out also indefinitely, maybe not for the full season, uh, but he did uh, go leave Knoxville and had surgery to address uh, hip flexor, sports hernia, uh, I'm not a doctor. I've heard both of those terms. Well, so I, I, think, I, I know it's somewhere around the midsection, and uh, he could be out for a while. And, and Jeremy Pruitt, again, not a doctor, mentioned it might be a groin issue. Uh, so if it's one of those, uh, depending on which one it is, if it's a torn hip flexor, it might not be the whole season. But if it's a sports hernia, those, I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor, but yeah. it seems like that would take a while to come back from. Yeah, somewhere between, it's somewhere between the chest and the knees. Somewhere in between there, there it's is a, an issue. It's a it's, middle body injury. Yeah, middle body, you would say for a, for, for a hockey playoff injury, yeah. you would say a middle body injury. Mid-body Mid, injury, yeah. Yeah, not a middle extremity, but a, middle, a mid-body injury. So yeah. I don't know exactly how much this hurts Tennessee. I know it's not good news because, again— Well, it just, it just takes away— Yeah. They don't have a lot of what Jeremy Pruitt called DPRs, yeah. designated pass rushers. Um, and I don't— uh, it, They've got, what, five scholarship guys there now available with Daryl Taylor, DeAndre Johnson, Kevon Bennett, and then the two freshmen, uh, Roman Harrison, who showed up a couple months ago, and then Kvars Crouch, who was at inside linebacker in the spring. So it yep. uh, doesn't look like Crouch is going to go anywhere with, with this situation. They don't. They could, they could use Daniel Batuli and maybe some other guys and, and maybe like a pass rush, edge, edge rusher situation like on third downs. But in terms of outside linebackers, this sort of – hurts a little bit of the depth they didn't really have anyway yeah this this is uh that's not a position where they really needed to lose somebody and west you, you know you mentioned he he didn't make the contribution a lot of people might have expected last year you gotta remember he, he wasn't the typical juco guy in the Correct. sense because he he'd played like wide receiver and stuff in the past he, had, he didn't have a lot of experience in this role so yep. so I, I was really looking forward to seeing if this year he could sort of take that step forward and maybe he still can come back and uh and, and show some progress but obviously we hadn't seen him during camp and now we know why and this is a this is a blow for Tennessee to to not have that depth and to not have that at least another wild card to throw in there who could give you some some talented upside if he could you know make some progress this year. Yeah, he was dressed and off to the side early in camp, which makes me think that they tried yeah. to to repair this without having to go through surgery, and then they just said, you know what, it's just not happening. Let's just let's just 
surgically repair this. And I think that's good because there are some staffs in the country, and I think Tennessee in the past has done this, not the current staff, but people who were there previously. I think they were too quick to put some people under the knife. I think you can you can manage these things better, and sometimes it's better for the long term. I know a bunch of Tennessee players, former guys now who are in their 30s, 40s, and say, I don't know if I needed a couple of those surgeries. You know, I, you know, they've seen second opinions since then and had doctors look at it afterwards, and they're like, it still hurts. And he's like, well, yeah, because you had it surgically repaired when you didn't have to, and those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. so I like that they don't want to cut unless they have to. Uh, I know Tennessee basketball has done that forever, and now they're starting to do that in football too. And I think that's a really good sign because sometimes you can't avoid surgery, but sometimes you you can. And I think they try to, which is good. Uh, but I will say this before we go to break. This is why I wrote a column about this early in camp when Gooden got hurt. That basically football camp, it's like you've spent. It's like you go get your nicest pair of clothing, your nicest three piece suit. If you're a, a lady, your nicest dress or. Heck, if you're a man, you're nicest dressed. I'm not going to judge. It's 2019. Basically, let's call it this. Your favorite, your nicest pair of clothing. And you get it dry cleaned. You get everything pressed. You, you lint roll it. There's not a, a seam anywhere on it that's out of place, not a thread anywhere. And then you walk out the door and go into a hurricane. That is what football reminds me of because you are going to have guys hurt. You are Even if guys, even the guys out there are hurting. Yeah. So this is why people like Saban are never satisfied. People like Dabo never satisfied, you know, because Parcells, you know, Parcells back in the day, uh, you know, uh, Belichick now, these guys, they, they're never satisfied because they know you're going to need most of the people in that room at some point. And this is why that depth is important. And this is why you don't want guys transferring. This is why you work so hard to get guys in your program and then keep them there. This is why, because you need depth and that's – look at Tennessee now, you know, you take Gooden out of there and then you take Allen out of there. And now you're saying, what do you do with Crouch? Is he more needed at, at end a little bit or at outside backer? Or, or what are you going to do with him? Uh, it leads different problems emerge when guys start getting hurt and the season hasn't started yet. And Tennessee's already experiencing this like a lot of other teams are. So yeah, and this is where you are. And we've seen this with Tennessee's offensive line in recent years um, with other positions, but we see this again, you know, injuries, tend to have a way of finding Tennessee's most vulnerable position depth-wise and exploiting it even more. And, and Tennessee needs to hope that those five guys on scholarship left at outside linebacker stay healthy. Another couple of injuries at that position, it becomes a little bit more of a crisis. So yeah, Every day for Daryl Taylor needs to be a maintenance day. Yeah, serious. I mean, put, that, him in, put him in bubble wrap, just hang out there on the side, and then when it's game time, go get him, Hoss. And, and like Patrick said, it's not as bad as it sounds because you do have Daniel Batuli, who I think probably will get some some third-down work on, on the yeah. outside and things like that. You've he's, got sure, some, he's a good pass rusher. Yeah, you got some other guys who can and, help and you. And you could maybe move a, a defense a defensive end or defensive lineman out there too, if you absolutely yeah. had to. Yeah. I mean, maybe like a Latrell Bompas, maybe. He's, yeah. But, but what's Batuli now? 6'4, 252. He could, line, he could line up, put his hand on the ground if he needs to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you've got answers or options there, but. And, and yeah, we'll see if they, I mean, it, I, I doubt they feel a need to make a move like this right now, but, you know, down the road, they could always try to, you know, out of desperation, you could always take a guy like, a, you know, a JJ Peterson or one of those inside linebackers and try him outside. Um, you know, they've already done that in the past, but, you know, you could always try to take someone like that there and just put them there for depth. But, yeah, this is not ideal, and now they, they need to make sure the rest of those guys stay healthy. And as you said, Wes, especially Daryl Taylor. He's the guy that's going to be the centerpiece of this defense anyway in a lot of ways, certainly in the front seven. They've got to keep him in bubble wrap, I think, for a lot of the year to make sure he's healthy and out there on Saturdays. Hey, do you all still like products? Yes. Yeah. Do you use products? Do you use services? Do you do you like uh, do you like the the occasional in house ad you know that yeah. tells you about another great podcast in the CBS Podcast Network? Do you like all those things? Mm-hmm. Then I got great news for y'all. 
Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back. Welcome back. Got a good stretch in. Did some calisthenics. Got got some, uh, <clears throat> cleared the voices out a little bit. Ready to get back to it, guys. Uh, Tennessee, as we promised earlier, we're going to talk about this. Tennessee had its first major scrimmage over the weekend, uh, first major scrimmage of this preseason camp at Neyland Stadium. Uh, we obviously did not watch it because this is the SEC, and that doesn't happen in the SEC. This now, is this is not what happens. And but, now it's already Thursday, and they've got another one coming up Saturday. So. Yeah, and, and but but we do. Uh, this is not our first rodeo. We've been doing this for a while. We know people in the program. We've heard a little bit about some of the things that happened. Uh, we've talked to some people off the record about it, some people on the record about it, and we know a little bit about what happened in that scrimmage. We can bring that to you. And guys, it, it seemed to me like, and and feel free to tell me if I'm if you've heard something different here. The story of the day seemed to be uh, the offense started a little bit slow, a little bit sluggish, picked it up as it went on, and that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a sloppy scrimmage overall, but it was a typical first scrimmage, and that there was plenty of stuff to clean up. That's sort of the general theme I got from it. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and I'll I'll let Patrick get into more of the details. What Jeremy Pruitt said, you know, on Tuesday when we spoke with him for the first time afterwards, it was a ninety-nine place scrimmage. You know, he pointed out that um, they started off in some third down work, uh, which he said kind of got the offense maybe a little little bit off track to begin because you're not you're not settling into a routine. You're trying to pick up third downs. On, yeah, you're, on, not, you're not just putting the ball down a plane. Yeah, you're not you're not easing into the run game and things like that. You're trying to pick up third and seven or third and eleven or whatever they're running. So so that I think got them out of rhythm a little bit to start. So I don't I don't think they looked at it as a as a you know f- a bad day for the offense necessarily. That's at least a plausible explanation, but. Yeah, not not Jared Garantano's best day, he said, and uh, you know he pointed to some issues on on both lines of scrimmage where you know that still just a young defensive line and inconsistency on the offensive line. And he said going into the second scrimmage they've got to you know clean up some penalty issues and uh, all all sorts of you know minor things like that that pop up that can be big things once you get into games and that's kind of typical first scrimmage. I think they they got out of it. That there's a lot of progress they still need to make over the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, you know that's always the first scrimmage. It's always you know you got play, you, you got more to do and yeah. and more to improve. And you but you do get to kind of see where you need to improve and where you want to improve. And that's you know I think Pruitt said every that this week every phase of the game, offense, defense, special teams had sort of goals that they were really focusing on this week. I think this is the week that they are out of class. So yeah. this is the week where it's like all football all the time. Um, and it used to be when you had two a days, but you can't do yeah yeah. There's the RIP two a days. Um, but I don't miss them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just in terms of some of the specifics, uh, Eric Gray had a touchdown, fresh running back. Tim Jordan got in the end zone. Uh, Marcos Callaway caught a sort of a Sound, kind of jump, a jump ball. It was a jump yeah. ball over Warren Braille, um, who got a lot of first team work. Henry those Toa, two have, those two have gone against each other a lot in camp. Henry Toa, Toa has got a lot of first team work and looked pretty good from what we heard. Um, and I think Dominic Wood Anderson got in the end zone too. But I think overall, I think the defense may have like edged the day for saying who. Yeah, won, that's quote, probably unquote. a fair guess. Um, and, and certainly talking to Brandon Kennedy and listening to, to Jeremy Pruitt talk about some of the offensive line. There's some things they need to improve there. I still think they're moving a lot of guys around up front. 
lot of different combinations. A lot of guys are getting work with the ones at different spots. So uh, they're still trying to figure out what they're exactly they're going to do there. Now, interestingly, interestingly, though, the combination we heard in the scrimmage that started with the first team included Riley Locklear, right? At right guard. Yeah. And then back at, from the dead. Uh, still Marcus Tatum at right tackle. And then at on the left side, you had what? Wanye Morris. Drum Carvin. And Drum Carvin. But, but again, they were they were rotating guys yeah. in. I think I think Wanye's gotten some work at left guard. Obviously, Trey Smith wasn't practicing yeah, that he's day. Still not doing full contact. Um, and they're letting when they're letting Morris play more than just one tackle spot. If they're moving him into guard, some too. That's another indication to me that if there was any doubt, it's removed. He's going to play because they're moving him oh, around yeah. and they're they're he's he's in the mix if if not starting. Yeah, talking about Wanye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think he's he's just about there anyway, but. Um, but yeah, the, just a lot of moving around on, on the defensive side. I think Greg Emerson and Aubrey Solomon got a lot of first team work. Uh, I think Jerome Middleton did too, continues to do so. Uh, Emerson, I think showed some nice things. I think Roman Harrison had a sack with the twos. So Emerson may be the surprise um, of the, of the defensive line uh, over the last week or so. Yeah. He, he looks like a guy that could, you know, maybe be sliding into that, that starting nose tackle job. And I, we got to see, he's got to do it for more than just like a week. Um, but he certainly has looked better than he has, I think, just moving around, just watching him in practice. He's moving a lot better than he has at any point early in his career. He was a guy that we've, you know, had a lot of, I don't want to say doubts about, but we kind of wondered how long it might take. Yeah, how long it might take for him to start looking like the guy that was ranked in the top 100 or just outside the top 100, I think, is what he was. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, but yeah, and and they'll scrimmage again on Saturday, and and that'll be another sort of litmus test. And uh, once you get past that second scrimmage, usually – when you start sort of paring it down, you might have another like light scrimmage, maybe the midweek before game week starts, but it, it, it sort of depends on, on the coach and the staff and the team. But um, certainly this is probably their biggest week of the preseason coming out of that scrimmage. But yeah, cause you have to start dialing it uh, back uh, after the second scrimmage. Yeah. It's, it's it, starting to get ready for so game week. There were good things. Uh, there were bad things. Pruitt is sort of, you know, talked about how it's very inconsistent. Uh, a lot of places. Yeah. Some players and positions will flash, they'll look good, and then the next minute they won't look good. He talked about it a lot with the defensive line, talked a lot about, about it with the offensive line. He mentioned that most of his team are guys that have ability but don't know what to do and are still figuring out what to do and why to do it and how to do it and all those things. But um, And that's part of the, the process of, of working through preseason camp because it gives you a chance to work through and, and give these guys a lot of reps and sort of develop them and get them to, to improve and, and progress. Yeah, I don't think we, this needs to be lost in the shuffle either that Henry that, that Toa Toa, uh, Hank, Hank Tutu, went out there He's, and played a lot with the ones. And, and, and this is... Uh, he the, seems like the real deal already. Yeah, there, there's a couple guys in this class that it looks like, and, and I was talking about this last week. You know, I know there's some similarities there, but could they, you know, would they have to shoehorn kind of Batulian and Hank Tutu both in there together, or you know, how would they do that? And and they did it for the first scrimmage, so they're already working on that. So he's going to play. He's a really good football player. Tennessee's lucky to have him, and if he stays healthy, there's no reason why he shouldn't have a big career. This is a good football player. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to be really excited to watch him play, and they should because he's a, he's a good player and he's got a good got a good jersey number two for a linebacker eleven. I like yeah. it. It's unique. But uh, yeah, I think he's yeah he hasn't just shown that he's that he's going to play. I think he's shown a mastery of the defense that you don't often see for a freshman. You keep hearing F- about FBI. Yeah, you keep hearing about how quickly he's picking up things, and that's uh, you know you certainly didn't hear that a year ago with you know guys like JJ Peterson. That that's usually a struggle for freshmen, and that, and he's kind of been the opposite. He's advanced for that age so 
Uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot easier to come in in the summer though than than when JJ Peterson came in. So you got to be fair to him that way. But but Toa Toa is is definitely. I think shown he's he's in the mix for a starting job to open the season. I think he, he might if they were playing today. I I would not doubt at all that it was Batuli and Toto to, uh, at, at the inside linebacker spots, and that's uh, yeah. And Batuli's been dealing with a little bit of a of an ankle deal, but I think he's okay. They're yeah, just, they're, they're, they were they're playing, taking it easy. If they were playing, I think he would be out there. But yeah, that's that's something to manage. I, interestingly to me, I, this I, I don't want to make too much of it, but you know we talked with Jarrett Garantano this week. You know, he he's we've seen him off to the side in some drills while the freshman quarterbacks are, are throwing and, and he, he mentioned he's kind of managing his shoulder. You got, you know, Batuli. You you've had some guys who've been sort of limited in in yeah. some ways in camp, and that's maybe something to keep an eye on. We Alante Taylor we know has been dinged up, and that's part of the reason Warren Burrell's been in there with the one sum. So that's that's kind of maybe an underplayed storyline to a degree, is you've got some guys who are at least managing managing some things right now that maybe is at least worth keeping an eye on as, as we get closer to the season opener. But I don't think it's something that's going to keep guys out. But It's just the sort of the bumps and bruises of camp. Yeah. Once you get to this point, you're got, you, you've been hitting on each other for almost two weeks now. Mm-hmm. Lily Knott's another guy. He's got his ankle taped yeah. up. Still going. Still going through drills. But, uh, yeah, I think that's just part of camp. Yeah. yeah. And I think we need to mention this, too. Uh, Jarrett Garantano, Tennessee's junior quarterback, uh, did not have a, a great start to the scrimmage. Uh, now, again, before people start panicking about that, I, I need to say that Pruitt – Jeremy Pruitt has come out several times and said that he said this multiple occasions. He's gone out of his way to say Jarrett Garantano has had a great offseason and a great preseason camp. He has said both of those things. Actually, he said really good, but yeah. what's the difference between really good and great? You're splitting hairs there. He's had a really good camp. And I think this is a guy who it seems like, and we've said this before, when he is kind of locked in and, and when he's kind of in, in the right mood and everything, he, he can have an effect on the people around him. He's got a little bit of that natural swagger. Uh, he's got some natural leadership ability. People follow him. And, and I, you've seen this with guys like Trey Smith throughout their career who, who've been huge backers of Garantano. And I think that starting the scrimmage slow but then picking it up and doing a lot better is another sign of, of improvement, another sign of development, because he was able to kind of rally the offense and kind of get it off the ground a little bit early on. And that's a good thing because Tennessee, I think, will be a better team this season, but I don't think it's still far, far, far from a great team. And he is going to have to will them in some moments, and, and I think that's good that, that he can do some things like that. Yeah, and that's, and that's again, why I think it was mentioned early on that Garantano was, was maybe in – inconsistent or didn't have his best day Sunday in that scrimmage because you know they're going to be relying on him so much and when he's not at his best it's going to show up and that's that's why I'm kind of eager to find out and maybe we won't find this out until they start playing games but how the running game is looking because I think that's such a big wild card for this team if they can run the ball at least noticeably better than they did last year that could be a huge deal for this offense because they had to lean a little too heavily on Garantano at times last year obviously that offensive line struggled in camp, I think the problem is if they run it well, you're not going to know if that's because the defensive line is looking bad or because this group is looking noticeably better. But I'll, I'll be interested in hearing if, you know, seeing if we hear more about that run game and if, you know, Chandler, Jordan, Eric Gray, if those guys are, are able to, to produce consistently on the ground, that, that's going to bode well for this team because they've, they didn't really have that to, to lean on at times last year and, and they don't need to put this all on Garantano. But yeah, he's obviously the centerpiece of the offense for a reason. Yeah. And, and- According to to Pruitt on Tuesday night, there's only one surefire starter on this team. It's Jerry Tano. Right. Yeah, and he had a great answer to that on Wednesday. Caveat said, because Trey Smith is not out there. Right uh, he uh, he had a he Garantano had a good response when he was asked about that on Wednesday. He said, "Well, that's a first. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good." And um, I think Dominic Wood Anderson would probably be a starter, <laughs> just to guess. It's it's 
he's well, it's not being literal. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I'm aware. But I'm just I'm just using it to to set up the you know Re- Garantano's response to it and and he kind of talked a little bit Wednesday about um, how he's having to I don't want to say motivate himself but it's different for him because this is the first year that he's not been. Uh, either redshirting or sort of competing for a job, and and when you don't have when you don't look across the room or uh, in practice and see a Quentin Dormady or Keller Chris there pushing you, you know you got to find different ways to sort of uh, you got to compete against yourself, so to speak, and and they're sort of giving him um, different scenarios, and he kind of talked about it a little bit. Maybe the scrimmage was sort of set up to sort of put them in in that situation to see how you respond, uh, putting him in some third down situations, I mean, and sort of trying to I don't want to say it what I don't want to say it was. They did that just to motivate Garantano, but that's a not you know that's a scenario where you're trying to say, all right, you're a guy. Let's see if you can get us out of some some situations here. So, uh, and and so he's sort of focusing on trying to be the best he can, and and he said he had things that he wanted to work on every day that he's talked about with Chris Winkie, his position coach. He's not going to tell us about it, but yeah, that's you wouldn't expect. You don't you shouldn't you know you don't expect him to. That's not it's not our business necessarily, but yeah, and I, uh, but yeah, again, I think he's you know. I don't think we have heard anything significantly bad about him. I don't think we, there's any reason to, to panic about the kind of preseason he's had. Um, and, and But for him, it's going to matter what he does on Saturdays. Yeah, I've always thought that if you, as a head coach, if you want to have a, a successful season, uh, there are four guys that it is non-negotiable that you have a good relationship with. There are four guys that you have to be on the same page with if you want to get the most or nearly the most that you can get out of your team. Uh, the first one, Pretty obviously, offensive coordinator, second one, defensive coordinator. Those two guys, a head coach has got to be on the same page with them. I think number three is the strength and conditioning coach uh, because you have he has to know when you can push the guys, when you can't push the guys, uh, when they need to relax a little bit, and if a guy's really hurt or not. You, 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 need, you need to be on the same page with him. Fourth one, quarterback. A head coach and a quarterback, whether they are – they don't have to be BFFs or anything because it's a coach-player relationship, not a friend-to-friend relationship. It's totally different. But they got to be on the same page. They have to understand each other. They have to listen to each other. They need to have respect and appreciation for each other. Those are the four guys. And if you want to talk about a program, you would add the athletic director in there. But for the team itself, there are four guys that you've got to be on the same page with. And I think it's a really, really important sign in the development of Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach that he has put his chips on the table for Garantano. They have built a really good relationship and they seem to be on the same page right now. And that gives you a chance. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but it gives you a chance. And I think that's been a really, really important topic in the off season that we cannot discuss enough. Yeah. And I I think it's as much as anything, an important step in the evolution of Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach. You know, I think, I think they both sort of recognize this off season. Hey, we, we need each other. You know, I need, if I'm Jared Garantano, I need Jeremy Pruitt to be on the same page with me so that we can run the offense the way it needs to be run. You know, he's a, he's a veteran quarterback at this point. Um, Jim Chaney's made this point, you know, that he needs to be helping on the field and, and getting them in the right plays. And, you know, he needs to, uh, Jeremy Pruitt needs to have the trust in Garantano to do some of those things. And then on the, on the flip side, Jeremy Pruitt needs Jared Garantano because if Garantano's not good, how far is this team going to go uh, without him uh, being a, a huge part of their success? So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Pruitt's made a-, a few of those adjustments this offseason, and, and Garantano is obviously the best example, the most visible example. But yeah, the fact that he's sort of made a point to improve his relationships with players and uh, and get that level of trust is uh, is big. And that, that's, I think that we'll we'll be really interested in seeing how 
how that affects things this this year with with Garantano and if it if it does make a difference. But I, you can't view it as anything but a positive. Yeah, and I think that I, I was thinking about doing one more thing before we went to break here. I don't know if I'm going to do it now. I thought about playing the audio of Jeremy Pruitt talking about the defensive linemen on the team who are kind of like driving with their eyes closed. Do you think we should play that before break or just go to break? Because it's on the website. I can tell people to go see it on the website at GoVols247.com, the best website on all of Al Gore's internet. Maybe but just check it out on the site. Go to GoVols247.com. We have the video of it there. Uh, you can also find it through the CBS Sports College Football tab. There's all kinds of places you can find it. It's a really interesting discussion that he had about uh, basically saying that the defensive lineman playing without knowing the defense is like driving down the road with your eyes closed. Which yeah. And he said it in a much more hilarious way with yeah. many more ites in the mix. Uh, he was in ite mode. I thought Tuesday was one of the best moods Pruitt's ever been in when he dealt with reporters, which to me is a pretty good indication that they had a pretty decent practice that day because yeah. he was in a really good mood we've after heard, practice. We've heard of them having several um, pretty good practices. He made the point going into the scrimmage last week that you know they'd had back-to-back really good practices at that point and several good practices, I think he said, up to the, up to that point. So, yeah, I, that's a good, good observation on your part, though. I think uh, moods ebb and flow a little bit throughout camp. The he fact, doesn't hide them. Yeah, and the fact that we've seen Pruitt in a, in a pretty good mood a lot of those days and talking about them having good practices, I, th- I think he definitely likes this team more than he probably would have said a year ago. I think he, he liked last year's team in a way, too, but I think this year knowing knowing the roster is much more so his and his staff's and then knowing that he's got better relationships with a lot of those guys, yeah, it's a, I, I think there is a noticeable difference in him this year, and he knows there'll be growing pains with some of those young guys they're playing, but I think he feels like this team is – in a better spot this year going into the season. Guys, we still like products. Always. Services, too. We're big, big fans of them, right? We like products yes. and services. We like we like in-house ads. We like to know about other great podcasts that are going on. We like all of these things. Plus, we got to pay the bills. Well, that, too. Well, some people don't like ads, but you got to pay the bills. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, we do need to pay bills. And speaking of which, let's go do that. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Good break. Good break. Ready for the home stretch. Got Prince Michael barking a little bit here in the background, so uh, it's good. I think you know what that means, guys. The mailman is here. That, that's, <laughs> that, that's what that means. It means the mail time. And that is perhaps a segue that I had not even thought about. Yeah. But let's get to... The mailbag. Yep. How about that? I, I thought that's where you were going with that to begin with. I didn't know until I started talking. Yeah. I segue there. Good job. Yeah. And it was accidental. I'm not going to take too much credit for some, it. Some podcast magic. Yeah. Before I get the, before I get to that, I will say the first mailbag question comes from me, and I got to ask this question to both of y'all really quickly. So, um, my wife decided that we both have to go on a diet. Mm. And uh, I hate when you don't make those decisions for yourself. And and, and here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. She still looks fantastic. She looks great. Like we just got back from Barbados, spent the whole time in a bathing suit. Look great. You, so however, I'm, so do what not I'm wondering look, is, you look, you look, you look terrible. Is this a comment? Is this a passive aggressive moment from my lovely wife saying that I may not be the problem here? Yes, it probably is. 
I mean, I think that's probably where that is. Ron, do you agree with that or not? Um, it's not in Ryan's nature to agree with most things. No, I mean, because she's like she's like the exact same. So it's like I'm thinking, are you saying I'm the problem here? Is that, is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying to me? I mean, our house has been under construction for a year, right? Yeah. We haven't been able to exactly, uh, you know, we had to do a lot of takeout dinners. It is what it is, people. Okay, I'm getting older. I'm 36. Deal with it. Gosh, 36 going on 55. That's true. Be 37 soon. God, I'm old. Here we go to the questions. Uh, we got a bunch of them here from uh, GBO121 on GoVols247.com on the checkerboard. A couple of good questions here. Uh, we did discuss the first one, but I'll mention it anyways. How significant of a loss is Jordan Allen? Not just talking depth here. Was he projected to make a move this season? We don't know. Probably. I mean, probably not, but we hadn't seen enough to know for sure. I mean, I would say that the jury was out on Allen going yeah. into preseason, but as we've seen, there's guys that make moves. Yeah. His second question was another something that we've discussed. Is this recent Locklear talk something to keep an eye on? Is he surging a little bit, or are they just playing around with options? And does that mean K-Ron Calvert's hitting a wall? Uh, I'm not I'm not buying Locklear yet. Um, I, I think they're just sort of You're holding on that stock? Uh, well, I don't, own, I don't own it, so I'm not <laughs> – I'm just saying I'm not buying it yet. Um so you I, have to have an attitude, and I'm not, and I'm not selling Karon Calvert stock yet either. I, I did get some of that back in the spring. Uh, I think they're just exploring and moving guys around, and uh, maybe trying to motivate guys a little bit by saying, "Hey, you're going to run with the twos today." You know, most of these guys want to run, want to run with the big dogs, want to run with the ones, and so if you give them a day and say, "Hey, you're going to work with the twos most of the day," maybe that lights a fire on some guys. I'm not saying that's exactly what's happened here. But it could be. And, and I, I wonder, too, if they're not just looking at these options because it's one thing to say you're giving guys equal reps, but when you're looking at guys with the twos, you're naturally looking at them when they're surrounded by guys who are theoretically not as good as your starters. So the only way to get a true evaluation of a guy like Locklear or you know whoever it is, Ryan Johnson, that we, that we think might not be in position for, for a starting job, the only way to get a real look at those guys sometimes is to put them in there with the ones and see how that group looks with them. So... I think it's probably just, yeah, like Patrick said, exploring options. And I, I still would consider him an underdog in the race for the starting job, but definitely in the mix. I mean, I, I'm not counting him out by any means, just not sure he's there and, you know, really running with the ones every day. Another question uh, from same guy, GBO121, who definitely gets his money worth, uh, money's worth in this episode. But mm-hmm. you know what? Hey, to the victor go the spoils. That's right. He gave, he gave the effort, early bird, worm, et cetera. Does Nigel Warrior have the cover skills to play star nickel effectively? I'll answer that first. I do not know, and I would lean toward that would not be my preference. I would, I would be skeptical of his abilities there, but hey, Jeremy Pruitt knows more about defensive backs and coaching that position than I ever will, so if he decides that he's capable of playing there, I will defer to him. But right now, just based on what we see of him covering as a safety, I'm a little bit skeptical of that uh, I, I do question his coverage skills, but it may not be the worst thing to have him down there near the box. You can bring him off the corner can, for blitzes. Exactly. He can help in run support. Really maybe, great run support. Uh, when maybe, Tackling's a big deal at that position. It, you. I'm not saying he's like an extra linebacker, but I think there were a lot of times last season when Tennessee was in in their nickel or in their dime, and they got run on. And so if you have a guy that's down closer to the line of scrimmage that's better against the run than maybe a, a a more true cornerback, then maybe there's the trade. Maybe that's the trade-off. But uh, I, I think Schamberger's getting most of the first team looks now. Obviously, they got to figure out who their second, third options, and so on back there. But a good idea. Uh, I do think Warrior is a is a uh, is an option there. He can play it. He worked there in the spring, and so he's going to probably know the position pretty well. But uh, that would be the concern. That would be the question mark with me. Would would him 
would be him in coverage, but I think there's also he also brings some value there that maybe some other guys don't. Yeah. Another question uh, again from the man who's getting his money's worth. Uh, are these all in one post or are these separate posts? Uh, a couple different posts. They're spread out. Uh, is there any chance that Carlin feels a me or Carlin feels Ames? If you're Jeremy Pruitt, ever gets and stays healthy long enough to contribute? I do think he will help this team at some point this season. Not in a huge role, but I do think because of his speed and elusiveness, they'll try to get him the ball occasionally. But he has to come out and practice first, and we haven't seen him this month. So that is very true. Until That's, then, yeah, it's sort of up in there. Agreed. Up in the air. And you can't say just he's a senior because he spent time playing another position and he needs all the running back reps he can get right now. Yeah, and they and they need him. I mean, they, they've only had four guys out there at times this 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 uh, camp. Only one day, I think they only had three scholarship running backs, right? So they, they've had some... A couple injuries away from Chuck and Duck. Yeah, they've had some some limitations there numbers-wise, and, and yeah, you'd like to see Phil me out there, but I, I think he'll play some. I think similar to last year, you know, you play him in spots if he's healthy, but um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't expect him to be a big part of the regular rotation, because right now that looks like that'll be you know, some combination of Chandler, Jordan, and then Eric Gray and Jeremy Banks thrown in there probably too. Another question, where would where would y'all put uh, Kenneth George Jr. in the cornerback pecking order? Thompson, Taylor, and Burrell are clearly the top three, but where does Kenneth George Jr. fall behind that? I think he's in the top five. I don't know if he's in the top four. Yeah, I don't I don't think he he's got he's not gotten as much not generate as much buzz, I would say, this camp as I thought he might based on some offseason talk we heard, but I think he's He's in the discussion for some playing time still. I wouldn't rule him out. I think saying somewhere in the top five is probably pretty That's accurate. That's top five among corners. Yeah. Not defensive backs. No, gosh, yeah. no. Among corners. And, uh, and he's probably more – you think he's more of a star at this point than a corner, or do you think he can play both? Probably both, but, yeah, um, yeah he hadn't had really made much noise this camp. Um, and I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he's – I don't know that he's in the two deep for sure. I mean, that's uh, that. I'd, I'd be hesitant to say top five for sure. Uh, I, I don't know that he he's probably not ahead of some of the. If you're if you're ranking all the defensive backs, which is what they will do, they're going to not play their tenth best guy just because he's their third best corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say he's he's beyond a few guys there too. Did you're talking Shamburgers and the, the one corners. possible exception to that McCullough, is Theo Jackson. I think is is very is still a factor. Yeah, um, I don't say still a factor. He is a factor. I think he's maybe even ahead of McCullough at this point. But mm-hmm. the the one situation where that does not apply is there are some guys. Mostly, if you can play corner, you can play safety at least reasonably well or s- somewhere. It, some guys, on the other hand, you just because you can play safety does not mean you can play corner. And, and so I do think there are times where you say you want to put your next best DB out there, but if it's a corner. Sometimes you have to shoehorn him in there because there are some safeties you don't want to be playing at corner for for different reasons. So you do want to put your next best out there if it's possible, but in some cases uh, it's not possible. It usually is, but sometimes it's not. Final question uh, here from GBO121. Season starts today. Who's your number two quarterback? I'm. Go ahead, Patrick. Both. I think I think that's probably the actual answer. I think the guy that is more likely to win that job in the long run is Maurer. It seems like, but Jeremy I think going Pru- into the season, it would be true. It seems like Jeremy Pruitt so? likes Maurer because he. I asked him about him those two guys the other day, and he's like, "Hey, Maurer can run and make plays when the play breaks down," and didn't like barely mention Trout. So. Yeah, and, and then he didn't say this, but he probably thought. And you've seen the offensive line, right? Yeah. Well, and and also too, he's he's a defensive coordinator, so a lot of his views on football are sort of framed in that philosophy. And uh, he was how many running quarterbacks have Alabama fits when he was there? Yeah. How many times? You know, I I guess he. Bama, Bama made adjustments on that, but it took a while. At, at Florida State, they, you know, they had Jameis who could kind of run around too. So I, I think he sort of views from a defensive coordinator standpoint as a quarterback that can uh, turn a wrong into a right or turn nothing into something. 
can really ha- you know can really harm a defense. That's sort of the way he he looks at it. But Mauer has some moxie and general playmaking ability too, beyond just the running. I I think they I think they see something that's potentially there's potentially more upside there. I think than you see in Shrout for whatever reason. The, the real question is uh, if if anything happened to Jared Garantano where he's out for. Uh, the rest of a game yeah. or multiple games. I think they would play both and Agreed. let them sort of figure it out. The question is, though, is if cool. what if, you know, three plays in the Georgia State game, his helmet comes off and has to come out for a play? What do they do? That's that, wh- that's that, where I think it's Maurer, personally. You think if it, just if his, if his helmet had to come off yeah. or something? I think that's, that might be Trout. I think Maurer is definitely going to play. Because if you, I mean, you, you, this isn't definitely what you want to do, but if you do play him in four or fewer games, he can redshirt and, and yeah. Trout cannot. Yeah, yeah, but you don't have to worry about playing him in one game. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's if, four games. That's what I'm I mean. saying. Like, if you're just putting out there for a helmet, would you want to burn a whole game for that i don't i don't know if you if you would so i don't know i don't know if they're gonna be that worried about it if they think he's the first guy in and that's how i think they'll view it if if, if, if it ends fair. up being a situation where mauer plays seven games this year and a lot of it's scrub time i think they'll they'll just do it because it's you have to, you, these days you have to assume your backup quarterback can't redshirt and if he's the first guy in and they think most deserving yeah. and most likely to take that first series when garantano goes out then he's the guy here's a, a really good question from gaffney vfl 89 uh, guys, Florida has been a top 10 team in nearly every preseason poll. Do y'all buy the hype? Their offensive line situation doesn't seem much better than Tennessee's, and their secondary is dangerously dangerously thin. I just don't see it. Do y'all see it? Uh, I, I was pretty low on Florida last season, and that didn't turn out very well. I think they got a lot of help from some teams sort of screwing up last year. Uh, Tennessee cough, being – Cough, cough, Tennessee. Talk, oh, well, cough. It, Tennessee wasn't the only one. I mean, Mississippi State was winning that game, and they had – dude dropped a touchdown pass that would have put them up two scores. And it's not like Florida's offense at that point was clicking. Uh, LSU what, had, what, three turnovers in that game? You know, kind of stubbed their toe there too. So, and then Florida State was a disaster. So, uh, I, I don't know. They've had such a tumultuous offseason that that thing – you know, some – an offseason like that can probably do one of two things. It either galvanizes you and gives you an us against the world and you come out and play pissed off and, uh, and and you're fired up and you play off energy and adrenaline and emotion and you, and you take care of business. Or it becomes a distraction and at the first sign of struggle or at the first loss, you kind of unravel a little bit. Here's here's the, but the bigger question with them, I mean, is their offense fine? they got to replace four stars. I think they have... Uh, if you take their combined starts, I think they have the lowest total in the SEC, and it's not very it's not very high. So yeah. that would be the bigger question to me. Coupling that with the you know the off season they've had, where there's been uh, signees leaving, signees going to junior college, guys getting kicked off the team, a bunch of dudes getting arrested. I go back and forth on Florida all the time because there's still talent on that roster. I think every Tennessee fans have kind of wanted Florida to be on the verge of being dead the last couple of years, and there's just there's still too much talent for that to be the case. And Felipe Franks is a veteran. I mean, you, you've got some things on that roster that are still good. Who could throw the ball a country mile? Yeah, and there's there's enough talent there. I'm I'm not as high on them as like a top ten he, kind of team though. I think they're good but, but not great. Well, they they have a lot of talent on offense. I mean, they've got I think all their main receivers come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Jordan Scar. Is it Jordan Scarlett? No, Piron's the running back that's back. Yeah. Um, the one who thinks LSU is a rival for them, but Tennessee isn't. Uh, and they they've got they're kind of like Tennessee in the sense that every part of their offense looks good, except for the offensive line. That's the big question mark. Defensively, Florida's always good. So always um, has been, always. And, be. and even if Florida kind of bombs this year and ends up going seven and five, I'm I'm still not p- going to pick Tennessee to win that game. No. Tennessee hasn't won a Gainesville. Since 2003. Since I was in high school. Um, and the last two times they've been there, uh, it, it's been a horror show. It's been it's been nightmarish. If you want to throw the Justin Hunter injury on, like, the second, third play of the game, that was another bad trip for them. 
Um, you know, Nathan Peterman's disastrous day. Every time they go down there, it seems like something really bad happens. Foster fumble. Either early. F- foster fumble that turns into a, a, a return six. Yeah, so just it seems like that that stadium has been sort of a – Tennessee just kind of just implodes there somehow or other. And so until that doesn't happen, until they actually go there and win, I'm, I am I don't care if Florida's terrible. I don't care if Florida wins the national title. I'm not going to pick Tennessee to win the game. And I don't think it should be realistic to expect them to win that game. Right. And after last year, here's where I am with Dan Mullen. I but if you want to trash Florida and think that they suck, Sure. That's what you should do because you're a Tennessee fan. You hate right. Florida. But two all seasons, means, do it. Two all seasons in a row, though, they're all, they're, Florida has given people a reason to think they're maybe not going to do that great under Dan Mullen. But when it comes down to it, he's a good football coach, and I think he'll get this, as much out of that roster as he probably can. Here's why I would definitely put them top 15, and I don't mind anyone putting them top 10. Uh, Ryan just alluded to this and sort of stole my thunder a little bit. But even Sorry going – even, no, Good fine. job, Even going back to Mississippi State, Dan Mullen throughout his career – has there have been two Dan Mullins? There have been uh, off-season Dan Mullen, who often looks like he doesn't have a firm grip on what's going on. Guys getting in trouble, guys doing bad things, guys, you know, you know, wearing some I, of Butch Jones's yeah. shoes collection to I, SEC media. Like days I don't want to say covering things up, but just maybe not handling things the way you should be handling them. Saying we, things like, "Oh, did none of my guys who got you know arrested for." crimes against women get charged for it like yeah, you can't whether or not it's true or not you can't you can't say that Come no on, and 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 everyone sort of in the industry knows mullen's just kind of an awkward guy he he's he's from you know up there in, in new england he's just not a in a league where so many of the coaches share so many things in common he's just very different always has been always will be uh, but i'll say this there are two dan mullins there's the offseason dan mullen who i always go what do you even know what you're doing and then the season starts and i go oh yeah that's why you put up with it because he's a hell of a football coach he finds a way once the season starts he's a quarterback whisperer he understands that position and what he wants out of that position he runs good offenses uh he he has outscored people at times when his defense has needed stops at florida it's gotten stops and that's why i thought mullen was a good hire for florida because florida's always been good at defense and always will be and mullen is a great offensive mind so I think that he has had a humiliating offseason in so many ways, and I think all of his uh, I'm trying way too hard uh, sneaker pictures are the most awkward, ridiculous things ever, very Butch Jones-ish. But at the end of the day, the guy goes out there and he puts teams on the field that do pretty well. So I think that's why I would put him in the top 15, and I don't mind if anyone puts him in the top 10. That's, I, I, that's, that's where I am. I think we need to end this Florida segment because people get mad when well, we start people, talking people, about the Gators, people, especially people. when Wes is over here touting their top 15 credentials. People, I mean – yeah. Tennessee could hire Dan Mullen, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you ask a question. That's, that's another time. I've heard that. Yeah, and uh, if, if Florida had not offered, Dan Mullen would have been the coach of Tennessee. Very likely. Uh, question here, uh, a couple of them from our, our good buddy, Blake, 11367-867-530-91800. Lots of numbers there. 10 10 Who does Tennessee have a better chance to beat this year, Florida or Missouri, and why? <laughs> Missouri, because it's not Florida. Uh, that's my answer. Um, I I think Missouri's pretty good. I, I would probably say Missouri, though, just because who knows. Their situation with the bowl ban is sort of out there. You know, that game's late in the season. What are they playing for at that point? You know, uh, maybe – is it their final home game? It might be. I don't know. Probably is. Um, next to last game, so I don't know for it sure. It could though. be their final home game for a lot of seniors that – I don't know. So that situation's out there, but I don't know. I think Missouri's really good. Um, I – this is it's so hard to say because I've thought this like a few times in the last several years that Tennessee's going to be better in November because they'll, they'll have young players that'll be playing well by then. But 
then you have injuries that offset that and more than offset that sometimes. So it's hard to speculate on how bad they'll, their injury situation will affect things this year. But I, I would lean Missouri. I, Florida's almost a 17-point favorite, which I think is a little high You know, in that game early on. I think they're probably a 10- to 13-point favorite in my mind, but they're, they're a clear favorite for a reason. And Missouri, I don't know yet how good they are. I think they're still pretty good, but I think they take a st- slight step back, maybe an overall – overall ability they're still like an eight or nine win well, team though because their schedule's not that tough well the it never I, really is. i just i just trashed tennessee's chance to win in florida so i kind of have to say missouri um <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i i don't you know i don't think barry odom is that great of a coach because that team was a 10 win team last year and they won eight and f- they went eight and five and could have lost two more games uh to teams they should not have been that close with but uh that's neither here nor there i they have a really good offensive line that was one of the biggest offensive lines tennessee played last year some of those dudes are ginormous uh, they've got an NFL tight end in Alberto. I'm not going to say his last name because I'll I'll bomb it. Uh, they have the leading, I think, the leading returning rusher in the SEC back in Larry Roundtree. I think he had over 1,200 yards last year. Uh, he seems like he's been there five Jonathan years. Johnson. Little, little bowling ball of a guy. Jonathan Johnson. Is he the one from Memphis? He's from Memphis, Okay, yeah. Emmanuel Hall is the one from Nashville. Okay, yep. Hall is gone, but Jonathan Johnson still there. They've got some other guys who are pretty, uh, are pretty good. I think they have an Arkansas transfer, too. Uh, to help bolster that receiving core, they have an offensive one of those and offensive linemen and, you mentioned is Paul Adams of Nashville, and they've they've sort of bridged the quarterback gap from Drew Locke. They're going to have Kelly Bryant this year. I still think Kelly Bryant's a pretty good quarterback. He'll, they'll have to change kind of how they run the offense because he's more of a runner than Locke was, but mm-hmm. they can do that. And then they've got the the guy from TCU. I think I don't know if he's eligible this year, but he was starting for him last year, and I think if he's he might be the next guy behind Bryant. And so. remember, they still have some talent on defense that Tennessee yeah. was trying to poach, if I'm not mistaken, this offseason when they were um, when they yeah. were when they were mad at Tennessee for for getting after their guys that were free to go anywhere. For I think fa- a few were fa- de- they got mad at Tennessee for following the rules. Yeah, they were defensive guys though. I think that Tennessee <laughs> I, was most. That was in. that's a compliment right there. That says if, yeah. if Tennessee's wanting your players, and your players must be pretty good. So um, yeah, that was a breakout the Wambulance moment. Uh, uh, I think one of their guys has had over 100 tackles the past two years. Yep. I think they bring back pretty much everybody in the secondary. They, they have defensive linemen or, or two that were they yeah, always so, do. Uh, I mean, I, I think, and, and their schedule is, I don't want to say it's a joke, but I think they get Ole Miss and Arkansas out of the West. So if they, I think they don't, if they win less than nine games, then my, my stance on Barry Odom not being that great of a coach will be it, further verified. It's what, South Carolina, that I think they play early in the season. If they win that game, they could go six or seven and zero oh to and start the year. And they're, they're, they're quote-unquote tough non-conference game is West Virginia, which is new coach, no Will Greer, rebuilding. Well, so. it, we're, we we got a lot of great questions here, so we're, we're going to get to them, but we're going to have to go rapid fire now yeah. a little quicker. Uh, here's a combo question from a couple guys, one of them being Blake, a million digits. Uh, and <laughs> Ryan, you get this one, I'll get the next and one. And then the <laughs> other part one. of the question okay. comes from Big Orange Dilly. Uh, dilly Dilly. First question was uh, from Blake. It was, are Nigel Warrior and Trayvon Flowers – Locked in as starting safeties versus Georgia State. Second part of that question from Big Orange Dilly is, outside of Warrior and Flowers, who will be behind those two for reps? I think those are pretty close to locked in as starters. Flowers has missed some time lately, so that's maybe at least something to keep an eye on. But as long as that's not an issue, I think you know he's just minor bumps and bruises. I think he's fine. And that those, those two have been the starters every time they've been out there together, so I think they are. And right behind them, it looks like Theo Jackson and, and Jalen McCullough would be the top two backups and then i think after that it's you get down to the shyland bruiser and i think aaron beasley's running yeah running beasley's with, too. Beasley with, with the threes yeah and I, I i'll just go ahead and quickly say that i think warrior and flowers will be the starters if they're both Rapid healthy fire. going Rapid into fire. the season that's what i said uh big orange dilly had a couple more good questions um uh if y'all had to choose one position group that we that will be pleasantly surprising this season which one would it be and why and he did clarify pleasantly surprised in a good way just to to double down on that. I'll go on a limb and say the defensive line. 
Hey yo. I, I, I think Bold a lot of people. Well, I think a lot of people think that they're in big trouble. Bold Pat, and they still might get run over some games, but you know, I think they got some guys there that can get the job done. That won't be spectacular, but that will be solid. I and I like Tracy Rocker as a defense uh, as a as a an assistant coach. Now they could bomb and be terrible and make me look bad, but I don't know. I'll just I'll I'll give I'll go them even without Emmett Good, and I think they'll piece together something and be okay. I would and not, at, this, at this point being average is probably exceeding expectations of that group because a lot of people think without him and good that they're 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 in trouble. Yeah, I, I thought about going with that. I think my answer would be outside linebacker because I think there's been a lot of concern about really no no there's been a lot of concern about opposite Daryl Taylor what you're going to get out of that position. He, he, again, this is the second thunder steal. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. I thought finish you were saying thought. really because Daryl Taylor is like one of their best defensive players, and I'm saying they could surprise. But I I think they. They will get enough out of that position that I don't think it will be looked at as a major concern. It'll just be a thin position that is an injury or two away from being a problem. But if those guys stay healthy, I think they'll be they'll be good enough and they'll piece things together with Petuli on third downs or whoever they need to put there. I think, again, Henry Toa emergence inside gives you more options with Petuli to play someone else there on third downs if you need. So, yeah, I think they'll they'll get by an outside linebacker and be okay there. My pleasant surprise group, if I can't say the outside linebackers, I'll, I'll stick with the bold theme. I'll say the tight ends, and the reason I'm going to say it is because we all know what Anderson's a good player. I think he's going to have a, a pretty solid season. I think behind him they've got a lot of imperfect players, but guys who can do certain things pretty well. And I think Niedermeyer is a really good young position coach. And I think Jim Chaney is a hell of a tight ends coach too. I think they will find ways to get those guys involved. I think they will help with the protection game. I think they will make some some plays in the passing game. I think they'll be red zone threats. I think that that group uh, could could surprise. They, they some need people. to, and I, I'll say this: I think they need to force feed Dominic Wood Anderson the ball because we've heard this storyline so many times about tight ends, and it doesn't always play out that way. I think they need to throw him the ball four or five times a game. Another question: Do y'all see JJ from from Big Orange Dilly? Do y'all see JJ Peterson having a role in the defense this year? Maybe something like a Gooden type last season where he played about 25, 30 snaps. I uh, don't see it right now. I don't either. No. Maybe special teams. I think special I mean, teams is going to be maybe, the way he's going to have to – or injuries. Special teams or injuries is going to have to be how, yeah, he, how maybe, he earns his spot. Maybe late in the year, but early in the year, he's he's still sort of a, a work in progress, to use the coach term. It's yeah. been it's been conditioning. It's been the playbook. It's been still multiple things with him. Well, he's, yeah. he's not been healthy. I mean, he just, I yeah. think he just got cleared for full contact this week, so he's got to get his shoulder – Right, and then stay healthy for an extended period of time if he's going to make an impact this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a question from Loud Proud. What kind of emphasis and to what extent does this defensive staff place on tackling? Are they actually tackling in practice? They They're not allowed to tackle a lot of times. There are new rules in place where you can really only go attack certain days. So, Well, they full tackled in the scrimmage. Correct. Um, so... Yeah, they're not they're not tackling every day. Um, they they mostly thud the way most teams do. That's that's the smart way to practice. You can't slobber knock every day. Well, Just the human body can't take it. And Jeremy Pruitt pointed out one of the reasons they were having. He thought one of the reasons they were having so many injuries with Butch Jones' staff was they were players were falling to the ground too much or, or going to the ground some way or another. So the Darren, way, Darren Kirkland Jr. on line one. Yeah, so the yeah. way the I way mean, to getting, limit getting, that get, getting hurt at the end of a marathon practice where they were tackling the whole time and just shouldn't have been and. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be smart with that stuff. So the way to limit that is to to thud most days and and scrimmage. You know, scrimmages are when you tackle, and that's I, so far. I think you can't argue with the results aside from Emmett Gooden. They really have had pretty good luck under under Jeremy Pruitt so far with practice injuries. Just a couple more to, or a few more to get to here it's quickly. Like talk about a no hitter, Ryan. Good job. I, I know. I'm, uh, from Duckvall ATL03. Good, good username. Said uh, said last year 
Coach Pruitt publicly lamented that there weren't any leaders on this team. Who are the leaders now? Which player would the other players fear the most in terms of being called out or practice or having that guy knock on their door to call them out for not being vested and doing things the right way? Well, I'll probably say Daryl Taylor. Um, and if you need any proof, just ask Trey Smith. Yeah. Uh, not to revisit that, but uh, I would say him. He's up there. I think Batuli's sort of a quiet leader. Um, Nigel. You know, I was going to say Nigel we Warrior. We heard Nigel Warrior getting on his guys last week yep. with some colorful language. He's improved as a leader as much as anybody I've seen on this team. He is really vocal in practice. They, they weren't showing the kind of sense of urgency in a drill, and he was like, hey, guys, we look like poop. Yep. He didn't say poop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would go with Warrior on defense and on offense. I think it's maybe a combination. I mean, Trey Smith will be a leader for the offensive line if he's out there, but I think – the two that stand out to me are Garantano. Obviously, he's done more of that this year, and uh, Jawan Jennings. I think Jennings is, is they've got s- several seniors, obviously at receiver, but I think as a as a veteran with some spirit in him, I think he's become more of that type of role this year. Say what you will about Jawan Jennings, he's had some off the field issues at times in his career. He's had to grow up, but when he clocks in to work, he works. Always has, and always he's will. Very competitive, and he takes it seriously. And when he got mad and went on that that social media rant years ago at that coaching staff, that was because they wouldn't let him play. He is an absolute, I mean, he is, when he's in the building and ready to go, that dude is working. Uh, And I I think Pat made a great point about Daryl Taylor. Uh, I'll say this, you you don't want teammates kind of going at each other too much. It's going to happen sometimes. But the simple fact that that dude went at Trey Smith, a guy who just screams, do not ever come at me for any reason at all, unless it's to say, hi, how are you? You look nice today. Don't ever go at Trey Smith. He just looks like a guy who you just don't mess with. And Daryl Taylor, well, he didn't mind. He went at him a little bit. And that, to me, showed a lot of toughness. Maybe craziness, but, uh, you know, he's a guy who will get in your face. Um, Batuli's a guy who has grown up in that area a little bit. Uh, He is not afraid. He does it in a very quiet way. But he gets to the point. I've seen him pull some linebackers aside and, and tell them um, in a very, very direct way that what you're doing right now is not cool. So he'll do that. Warriors growing a lot in that way. Uh, Garantano's gotten pretty good about speaking up. Uh, he doesn't mind doing that stuff. To answer the question overall, that has come a long way since last season, and I think the simple reason for that is that Jeremy Pruitt has identified some of those guys, and he's let some of those guys identify themselves, and they feel more comfortable doing that now. Last season, they were all trying to get a feel for each other. Nobody wanted to put a foot wrong in front of the new coach. Now they've kind of got a pecking order established a little bit in that way, so I think it's improved a ton. Just two more to get to. Uh, one from Haynes62 said, if Marcus Tatum ends up being the good choice at right tackle and Darnell Wright pro- progresses as scheduled, uh, could Darryl Wright, Darnell Wright be moved to guard by the end of the year to get him in the lineup? Uh, I don't see it right now, but possibly. I wouldn't rule it out. But Morris is the guy because he was there in the spring that they're cross-training a little yeah. more than they are right right now. Yeah, I I think I think no right now. I think they they want to keep it simple for him. Keep him in one position kind of makes it easier. Last one from the board. We might get to one from social media, but the last one from the board, which is, again, where we always go first to do these things, is the checkerboard on GoBalls247.com. This one comes from Jay Johnson331. Are we, the Tennessee fans, making a bigger deal out of recruiting at the moment than is needed? Is there cause for concern, or is this, or is this just what it's like to fish for the big ones? I, I think mostly the latter. Mostly the latter, but you don't want to be losing them to Kentucky in general. Well, I mean, let's let's see what happens. As, as a general rule, I mean, as a general rule, like that's happened once this year, and, and yeah, that's, you know, 
Let's see what happens with Trayvon Ripka. That's 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 I, I'm assuming the one you're alluding to. Oh no, he, I thought there was one earlier this season that they Justin Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. But, but he hadn't he committed to every team in the SEC. At I was gonna say point. Justin Rogers picked Kentucky over a lot of people though, so it wasn't just Tennessee there. I mean, that was just sometimes kids are gonna make decisions like that. And yeah, that's won, what that's what I was alluding to. They won ten games last year, so. Uh, but yeah, I I think mostly the latter because yeah, you're you're still going for some big fish, and the reason the numbers are where they are in this class is because you've got a lot of in-state guys they're waiting on to make decisions. So. You know, if, if Tyler Barron and Jay Hardy were already in, in the boat, I don't think people would feel as as iffy about this class right now because they'd be at, what, 15 commitments, and they would be in the top 25 nationally. And right now they're not, and they have fewer than 15 guys, so it looks a little shakier. So I think, yeah, the, the numbers will be there in the end, and they're they're in good shape with enough guys that I think they'll be fine, and they're going to get some some really good players late probably just like they did last year. Quick question from Logan Welch on social media. Logan Welch, 57 on the Twitter machine said, if Eric Gray does run with the second-team offense, do y'all think Tim Jordan stays at Tennessee for his senior year? And the reason why I'm picking that question out is because I think, and again, I'm not not picking on Logan or anyone else, I think Tim Jordan consistently gets overlooked. He is going to play, and he's going to play a lot for this team, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, he is going to play a lot. Um, no, I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. How, how was that phrased again? He said, if Eric Gray does run with the second-team yeah. offense, basically gets the second most touches right. of any running back, does Tim Jordan stay for his senior well, year? I think, I mean, one thing you got to consider, no matter how it plays out, Ty Chandler could go to the draft after this year. If, that, if that happens, Jordan's playing a lot next year regardless. So, yeah, I, I don't see a situation playing out. I mean, he, I, like you, Wes, I think he's going to play a lot anyway. But even if even if it somehow turns out that Gray plays gets more carries than Jordan or whatever, I, I think it's going to be a good situation for Jordan going into his senior year. So I think he'll be back. Yeah, I, I don't I – don't. I'm kind of confused by that. I mean, uh, it, it looks like there's going to be three running backs that are going to play a lot. First of all, I think people might be assuming too much about the role Gray is going to play. He's going to play, but I don't know that he's going to It happens because he's been the t- a talking yeah. point for a week or two now. And the new, toy, a- the new toy is always the new toy. But let's forget, Tim Jordan, a lot of times last year, started when Ty Chandler was healthy. Well, so right, let's not run- forget that. Running back mm-hmm. position where starting means the least. Correct. In a backfield like this, yeah. You could start and get two carries on the first drive, and then your other guy comes in and gets hot, and you're – you're over there, you're twiddling your thumbs, not playing. So, um, but uh, you know, I think Jordan will have a role in this team. And if you're, if you're Tim Jordan, even if you know, regardless of what Ty Chandler does, I, I don't see like two. I don't see two Todd Gurley's coming in this class. No. So it's not like you're going to have to worry about a, a freshman coming in next season and, and taking your job. So I don't, you know. If they were bringing in some like five star running backs, then I could see maybe. You yeah, know. it's not signing day, but yeah, right now it doesn't look like they're going to have a star uh, at running back in this class. But yeah, I, I I think I think the other thing to keep in mind is not not only did Jordan play a lot last year, I think he led the team in carries, didn't he? I he was did. Just, yes. Yeah. So yes, he did. Uh, he's going to get a lot of playing time this year, and I show think some respect to the Buff Hamster. Yeah, and and he'll be he'll be back, and yeah, a lot of people are sleeping on him. When we were predicting that first touchdown of the season, Patrick, I almost went with him, decided on Ty Chandler, but. Jordan wouldn't be a bad pick either because he'll he'll this, play a lot. This question so would have triggered Grant. Yeah, there were a bunch of good social media questions. I'm going to get to one step out of the way here. We're we're running out of time here. We got to get to some other things. Overtime. Ah, we're we're, we're, we, these were good questions though. Uh, question from Kevin Tonk and K Tonks three on Twitter. Tennessee completed a number of deep contested throws against Auburn in 2018, and the result was a signature win. Why didn't we see more of those kinds of throws even attempted for the rest of 2018? And do you think that'll happen more this year? Answer the first part of that question. You can't throw the ball downfield if your quarterback's on the ground in two seconds or running for his life. You have to protect the quarterback to do that. They were able to protect against Auburn, uh, plus they were down early, so they needed to chuck the ball around a little bit. And hey, they 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 got a couple well, they got a couple breaks. Well, I mean, I, they did that every week. That was pretty much their best offense because they couldn't run the ball. 
they couldn't protect the quarterback. And so a lot of times they sort of resorted to throwing it up and hoping, you know, go Marquez, go make a play. Juwan, go make a play. No Ball, matter how good your receivers are, that's not a high percentage it, play. It's it, it worked that Saturday yep. when right. they won most of those matchups, but it's a hard way to live. Um, it's kind of like if you're not a good three point shooting team, like there might be one night where you shoot 15 to 30 on threes and you beat and you beat a team, and then the rest of the season you shoot 25 percent and you lose a lot. Um, that's that's sort of the equivalent there. It's just it's a hard way to to win if you're just if your main offense is if you're one to Mitchell in any way on offense, it's hard to win in the SEC because the, the talent and the coaching is so good. But if you know. I, yeah. I, I do think Garantano this season will have a chance if he can, if, they, if they can protect him a little bit. He's done a lot with his footwork, and he, he's improved his footwork a lot, and that usually leads to even more accurate downfield passing because if your feet are where they're supposed to be, you're in good shape. So I think that's something to to keep an eye on. And, and also, uh, I think they did try that. Like like you said, Patrick, they were, there were some more of those throws last year. They just didn't work out. A lot of things have to work out for those throws to hit. The quarterback's got to put it somewhat on the money or at least in a catchable spot your offensive line's got to hold up and the other thing some teams were able to get pressure without blitzing and when they do that that means you're well covered on the deep balls you can have double coverage in place in time uh that safety can make it over the top you're, you're not going to throw that ball so that, that's that's one of the reasons you didn't see that and uh, against auburn it was just a matchup that worked out that day I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We took a few minutes longer than we thought, but that's because some of the questions were really, really good. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back uh, at least by next Monday, if not before that, if something happens. So here is the deal, guys. We're going to try to have a schedule for you now, a better schedule for you now. Thanks for tuning in, as always. You can find all of us on social media. We're at uh, twitter.com slash govols247, facebook.com slash govols247. Grant does a great job with our Facebook page, even though he sucks at being on here with us because he's not a team player. Uh, I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown, P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And the aforementioned Grant Ramey is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. Or you can go to twitter.com slash govals247, facebook.com slash govals247, or you can go straight to the hose, straight to the source, govals247.com, the best site for Tennessee coverage, point blank period, end of sentence. No one brings you more coverage on Tennessee every single day throughout the year than we do. I'll stand on a table for that all day long because it is the truth. Not putting out anyone else, just saying we're bringing you more than anyone else is. So thanks for doing that, guys. Uh, If you've not checked it out, you can get a 30% off for an annual subscription right now, which is a pretty good deal. There's a lot going on right now. This is a big, busy time of year. A lot of team news. Yeah, this is the time to do it. And then there's recruiting news throughout the year, too. So tons of stuff going on there. Tons of reasons to go to GoVols247.com. And if you don't, that says more about you than it does about us. Pat, any final thoughts? Acuna.